We have a uh, very full schedule this morning. As you can see, uh, we have a number of representatives from the missions around the world. We're very thankful that they're here in person. Often we don't get that privilege. We often have to just do it in the third, third person here. But here, they're here to share of the work that God is doing in each of these areas. Uh, before we begin, I'd like to start with a short prayer. Let's all bow in prayer. Dear Father, we are so thankful for the privilege to be here this morning to witness what is happening around the world in each of these missions. And Father, we pray a special blessing on those that would be presenting, that you would give them the words to be able to share and from the pictures and from the experiences that we would see this morning, that you would touch our hearts. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For our first presentation, I'd like to call up Brother Jose Cervantes from Mexico. I've been blessed to be here, uh, especially the title moved me so much, and I believe, and I, it's my prayer that for many as well. Uh, we have just a short time to share, so uh, if you have more questions, you can talk to me later uh, regarding our work in Mexico. Uh, one of the things that we we uh, been doing since our church started in Tecate is uh, discipling other people, which is the way to reach other people and to, so they can become converted and be strong in the faith. We have personal Bible studies with persons in each and, and homes, and it's very well. It's something that any, anyone can do at home. Uh, there is no excuse. We can have friends and neighbors and family members. So you will... Uh, you will see some of the pictures that uh, just for God's glory that we just want to share with you. Uh, you might then see some of those, those pictures in the newsletter or the messenger. So, uh, so you can remember again. Um, can we see that second, the other picture? <laughs> okay. Uh, we have Sunday school over here. See that the children running to come into Sunday school. This is one of the blessings that we have every year. We got around 200, sometimes 250 children uh, for the summer, uh, one week. Uh, we have many blessings for that. I, I just want to share uh, uh, something that happened a couple, uh, a few months ago. I was in a shop, and a man came to me, and I noticed that this man was watching on me for maybe a couple minutes. And I feel uncomfortable, but he came closer. You know, I'm still a little intimidated. So he came and talked to me, and he says, are you Jose? And I said, yes. Say, is your wife Kathy? And I said, yes. Do you remember me? I said, no. He says, okay. I, I, I was in the Sunday school. I, I was in, with this family in Vacation Bible School uh, many years ago. This man was maybe uh, around 30 years old. Uh, he says, I, I, you know, I want to share with you this. That after I went to church, I stopped coming, and I grew up, and I got in so much trouble. I tried everything. I test everything. I destroyed my family, my children. Uh, I lost everything, and my, it's also my dignity. But I remember... Verses that I learned in Sunday school. 
and I cried, cried out to God. And he helped me. Now I'm attending a church. My family comes to church. I got my family back, you know. We think, we don't know, 300 kids. Sometimes we feel a little discouraged. Parents don't come, but who knows how many? How many in different directions and different trials in life, they're crying to God for help. They will remember those verses. I believe many of us remember from my youth, from my, uh, uh, when we was children, many things that we remember from home. Uh, the, so another thing is, uh, another case was, we was bis- making a visit uh, in a family, trying to reach them for, for Jesus, and one man came and says, wait a minute, I, I have a question. He said, what's her name? And she, he was asking about my wife, says, Kathy, she says, What's her uh, uh, last name? He said, well, we use the name of Cervantes, but Novotny was her name before. He says, you know what? I'm a teacher, and I make uh, a test in school, and I ask the children to express the most beautiful thing that happened in their area. And he says, most of the class give us a things that we was very surprised. They had a name, Kathy. And they remember there was more the, or the highly uh, uh, things in their life was to learn verses from the Bible and sing songs. You know, those things just encourage us so much. Another case was a young man. He used to come to Sunday school many times, and he went on his own. He liked soccer, so he went in different ways and stopped coming to church. But one day, he got into trouble. He, he being in prison, remembered some of the verses of the Bible. And he said, oh God, if you allow me to go out, I be sure, I'm going to be sure to go to church and not come back to this place. I'm, we're thankful that this young man is coming to church. He's seeking now. And we just want to share this to you because it's been because your prayers, because you've been supporting missions. And it's something that is in our heart to share so you can be encouraged. Not only us. I've been encouraged for all the teaching this week. And I hope there are many others we encourage and keep praying, please. We need your prayers. We cannot do the job alone. And we know that this is God's job. You can see here, this is our sanctuary. Uh, many kids that we have there. We still have some empty benches, but eventually the sanctuary was full. I would like to see the last picture. This is in Sonora, uh, the dedication day. And I want you to, to please, the next time, you can be in one of those pictures. Come and visit us. This is one of the works the Lord has been uh, bless us, and we have people that came to visit us in that day, and there was a blessing day. This is God's work. It's not man's work. We will fail, but God will keep on. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Jose. Next, we have uh, Brother Bob Friend Jr. to share 
some thoughts on the domestic front. You don't have to go to the mission field. You don't have to go outside of North America to participate in missions. I told Brother Gary that uh, I probably share why it is that uh, I'm here and why I'm in Coconut Creek now after spending some years in, in Richmond. Five years ago, it was Christmas time. I was visiting my family up in Syracuse. I was enjoying being able to spend some time with my daughter Jenny and son-in-law Chris after they'd just been married. And I saw Brother Roger Mueller. And having been a visiting minister down to Coconut Creek a few times and realizing that uh, that little church down there of about eight souls, or nine I think it was at that time, was really struggling, I asked him, how, is, how are all the folks down in Coconut Creek doing? He said to me, oh, I guess I can push this button and at least advance the slide. He said to me, point blank, he said, they need you and your family down there desperately. It was kind of, I, I knew they were looking for help down there, but that was a rather direct way to be approached. And I very quickly said to him, Brother Roger, I have a daughter living in Canada. My heart draws me north, not south. And immediately, the Spirit of God said to me, and since when does your heart determine where you go? I thought I owned that. I've served in small churches most of my life. I came from a small church, and some people wonder if that's really fair, that small churches send folks to small churches. But I was impressed this week that uh, the statement of faith was brought up. Statement 15 says, We believe that the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is an invitation for everyone to live a life of abandonment. We heard about abandonment at the beginning of the week. To him who loved us and gave himself for us, surrendering one's personal ambitions and possessions in an unreserved... I can't... I got new glasses. I'm having a rough time here. In an unit... In unreserved commitment to make the proclamation of the gospel throughout all the wor world to every creature. I wonder sometimes if we really take that seriously, especially here in North America. I've been asked to keep this upbeat, and I promise I will. We have to make our service count, and there are so many places that we can do that right here in the United States and some in Canada, all over North America. Small churches were the beginning of our church. I, it's interesting, I found this drawing of Samuel Heinrich Freilich on the internet just by typing his, his name into a Google image search. He had a policy that wherever there was a congregation where there were two ministers, somebody had to go out and spread the gospel somewhere else, not that two brothers would be sitting in the bench at the same time. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I remember that the Lord sent out his disciples two by two, not one by one. And as one who's gone out one at a time, I understand what a difficult position that is and how hard it is for one brother to have every sermon, every Bible class, every prayer. 
That wasn't Freulich's way of doing it. That wasn't the church's way of doing it in the past. I had a brother that I, I asked many brothers from many different churches to share what uh, they'd like to have said in this form. And some asked me, shared with me some things that they asked not be shared in this form. I'm going to try to honor that. But I had a brother that, came, that told me, um, you know, I am the grandson of a brother whose father was an elder who received a letter from a church out in the Midwest that said, we need help. A brother sent out a letter and said, I desperately need help. The father turned to his converted believing son, who also was a minister, and said, you have to go. This wasn't in a day when they could hop on a plane and go somewhere very quickly. It wasn't a time that you could jump in the car and even at the high price of gas make it to where you wanted to be able to visit your children. This is a time when it was going to take weeks to be able to get to visit your children. But he sent his own son because a mission field needed a laborer. We have needs in our small churches here in North America. I've got a list there, Clovis, Warren, Syracuse, uh, Woodcliffe Lake, Upper Marlboro, Delaware, Maryland, Richmond, East Akron, uh, Northport, Hollywood, Elgin, talk about that in a minute, Medina, Coconut Creek, and others. Brothers and sisters, these churches are struggling. These outreach posts are struggling, and they need the church's help. We need visitors. We need a visiting minister schedule. One brother in an outreach post told me he was so thrilled when all of a sudden there was a, a, a schedule put up for uh, visiting ministers, and he thought, oh, great, at least now we're going to be able to get the visitation that we need. Month after month after month, the schedule was printed. No one came. We have... We have Churches where Sunday school teachers have to teach every single Sunday or rotate between two or three so that the majority of the services can't be attended by the Sunday school teachers because there is no one else to take their place. We have churches that are struggling. I said I'm going to keep it upbeat, and I hope I will. I grew up in what most of you would consider a small church, although it didn't seem all that small to me. It was one big, happy family, one extremely blessed family, a place where everybody knew each other, a place where every parent would grab somebody else's child if they were getting out of line and make sure that they were, as Jimmy would say, were kept straight. We were a family. We could do that because we had a very close fellowship we knew if we were in church, we knew if our neighbor or our brother and sister was in church, if we weren't, somebody would call by the end of the day and say, we missed you today, is everything all right? No hiding places in a small church, and while some might feel that's uncomfortable, it's a tremendous blessing. How many times have you been in a congregation and you wondered, what real impact do I have? What really is my job? Come to a small church. You will find more jobs than you can possibly fill. And the fellowship. When, when you have lunches in church, 
and you sit around tables together, you really get to know each other very well. When you can spend time with each other in homes and realize that in a very short period of time you can go and visit everybody's home on your own visitation schedule, it's a real blessing. These blessings are, are, are things that we need to avail ourselves to. I don't know how many of these pictures you can see. Um, they're actually pictures that I took in Coconut Creek during cleanup day. Once a year we try to have a cleanup day and the interesting thing to me and one of the beautiful things about Coconut Creek, which by the way was a church that was thinking about closing its doors because they didn't have the help that they needed, more than half of those that are sitting in the congregation on Sundays are not members of our church. They are not from our church. God has set before at least our little church, and it's a special blessing that I've, I've been able to experience only where I am right now. The front door is open, and people walk in the front door on a regular basis. At least twice a month, we'll have someone come in that we haven't met before. And in these pictures, in each of those pictures, is someone that has only been coming to church in the last year. And they're helping clean our church, for which we thank God and them. But those are the opportunities that we have. We're talking about real missions. We're not talking about just trying to keep churches' doors open for some old people, because I heard that comment before. We, have, we are outposts that are there to reach souls for Christ. I said we'd mention Elgin, Illinois. The church in Elgin was sold. To me, that means that we ceded one of the outposts of the armies of God to the devil. I hope some other congregation took it over, some other of God's people that we don't know. But brothers and sisters, I ask you a question. How is it that we can say that we're here to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're willing to let churches close because no one is willing to go and keep the doors open? We need to ask ourselves, do we take our statement of faith seriously? I beg you, let's start getting back to what it was asked for in, in Acts where the, they actually fasted and prayed and said, who shall we send? Send us your best and your brightest and those that are willing to help serve the Lord. May the Lord bless all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Bob, for that uh, sobering exhortation. Next, we have uh, Brent and Debbie Freeman from Brazil. This is their first time here at Eastern Camp, and we're thankful that they were able to come, and they'd like to share what's happening down at Green Olive Tree. Good morning. We were at uh, Warm Beach Camp last week, and many... Uh, brothers and sisters approached us and wanted us to bring their greetings to you folks here. So we bring those greetings to you. Debbie and I are here representing GOTM. We want to thank the camp advisors for inviting us. We're enjoying the pleasant accommodations and the warm fellowship. And we're thankful for the opportunity that we have this morning to give you a little idea of what GOTM is. Many of you presently and through the years have been a part or are a part of GOTM through your prayers, 
through your generous giving and through your visits and uh, work teams that have spent time with us uh, there in Brazil. GOTM gets its name from Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9, that say, But as for me, I am like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give thee thanks forever because thou hast done it. So green olive tree was planted in 1993 in Pombus, Pernambuco, so inland from the city of Hasifi, about an hour, hour and a half. And there, green olive tree has taken root, has grown and branched out, and is producing fruit. So the first branch was planted and is growing in Pombos, as we said, and there today is housed the school and the local church. In the school, we have five very committed teachers, committed not only to the students, but to the ministry of the school there. We have 70 students this year, uh, all from poor families and many from dysfunctional families. And they are in first through eighth grades. We try to have a small teacher-student ratio, one to 10 ratio in most of our classes. Our goal as a school is to teach the children to delight in learning. I believe that we will all be learning for eternity, and so we want to help the students begin to delight in that process that we will carry through uh, through this life and throughout the next eternal life with our Lord, those of us who know him. To explore creation, so God's handiwork all around us, we want the students to explore and to enjoy, to study, and most of all, to know their creator and know their redeemer. And when they learn those things, carry them back to their families and minister to their families. Part of the fruit of the school is a small local church. (laughs) So we have about 15 members, and on Sunday mornings we have 40 or 45 in attendance. And a goal there, as the goal of every local church should be, is to equip the saints for service, to see them growing in the stature toward mature men and women, and day by day being transformed more and more into the image of our Lord and Savior. Our prayer that we would like to leave with you for the school and the church, that more workers uh, be provided to minister to the students and their families in the community in general. So as Bob was talking, I thought he can add our small church to his list there. The second branch of Green Olive Tree Ministries is the new ministry at the new property, which we call Laban's House. And Laban's House in German is House of Life. And we pray that it will be a place of awakening, um, refreshment, reflection, and growth for those who um, participate there. It has a twofold purpose. The first purpose is to give life to the family as we rise up and lie down and walk by the way through life's daily activities and opportunities to see the Lord. Um, We have a little girl, Taina, and she spent two years in our school trying to be as disgusting as is possible for a seven- to nine-year-old to be. 
In February, she joined our, our home, and the Lord revealed her scared and scarred and compassionate heart. She has only a few possessions, a family of dolls that she uses to play act, and this one here is the one that she uses to represent herself. At the airport when we were getting ready to leave, she took it out of her pocket and she said, Mommy, will you take this with you? And um, I said, so that you can travel with me? And she said, yes. On the plane, I showed it to Brent and I said, Taina gave me this. And he said, oh, that's that disgusting thing whose head and limbs were off last night and I put it back together. Um, and that's what it is. <laughs> if you could see it more closely. <laughs> but the Lord, in his infinite wisdom and grace, using many broken pieces, has lovingly, lovingly crafted a family, a family to reflect his forgiveness and healing power, his love, and his glory. And we pray... Um, our prayer request for the family is that we would have wisdom and direction in shepherding the hearts of the children toward the Good Shepherd. Um, the, second, um, huh? the second aspect of Laban's house is the discipleship center. And um, I think we missed a thing. Benjamin, our son, and his wife, Stephanie, are the directors of developing the ministry at Laban's house. And the tools that they are using are Sermon on the Mount, which is used to present God's truths in a way that um, the, many of the people are more willing to listen. We also hold camps for the church and for the school students, and this is an opportunity for fellowship, for them to feel acceptance and love and security, and to experience um, the rising up and lying down and walking by the way. And he also uses horsemanship, and this, these lessons are used to, for character, to reveal the character of each child as they work with the horse that reveals themselves and it gives them an opportunity to work out those things in themselves that need working um, but doing it on the animal. Our prayer request for Laban's house is wisdom in the development of this discipleship program and the facilities that are needed to carry it out. One last prayer request that a general prayer request for GOTM is that GOTM, GOTM would be a place where souls are led to the fountain of living waters, that they might drink and that from their fullness they might spread the word that he only fully satisfies. Um, we would like to read the words of a song. And this song was presented to us at the missionary conference by a missionary who has spent many years in Papua New Guinea. And the words to the song touch our lives as well. It says, I take thy promise, Lord, in all its length and breadth and fullness as my daily strength. Into life's future, fearless I may gaze. For Jesus, thou art with me all the days. There may be days of darkness and distress, when sin has power to tempt and care to press, yet in the darkest day I will not fear, for mid the shadows 
thou wilt still be near. Days there may be of joy and deep delight when earth seems fairest and her skies most bright. Then draw me closer to thee, lest I rest elsewhere, my Savior, than upon thy breast. And all the other days that make my life marked by no special joy or grief or strife, days filled with quiet, duties, trivial care, burdens too small for other hearts to share, spend thou those days with me. All shall be thine, so shall the darkest hour with glory shine. Then when these earthly years have passed away, let me be with thee in the perfect day. Amen. Thank you, Brother Brent and Sister Debbie, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come visit with us. Uh, uh, for those that may not be aware that they have more than 20 children in their own family that they've adopted and are fostering, as well as just over 70 children in the school, and uh, that makes for a very busy life. Uh, next, we have uh, Sister Karen Caballero. We're thankful that she's able to be with us uh, this year, and she will present on the work that's happening in Paraguay. First of all, we want to thank God for all the great and wonderful things he's doing in Paraguay, and also all of you for partnering with us through your prayers, donations, and the work teams that have been sent down in the past. And our presentation, we, we want to show you um, the history up until now, and we hope you enjoy it, and may God be glorified. Thank you, Sister Karen, for coming to Eastern Camp and for uh, presenting the work. And just as a reminder, uh, there will be a more in-depth presentation uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock in Martin Chapel for the work that's going on in Paraguay. Next, we have uh, Brother Koble Kang here from uh, Papua New Guinea, and that's very far away, <laughs> just north of Australia there, a small little island, and uh, a very different culture, tribal in nature, and you'll be able to see that from some of the pictures and as he shares of the work that's happening there. Magdalene and my wife, uh, me, I mean my wife Magdalene, and I represent the Apostolic Christian Church of Papua New Guinea, which is far in the Pacific Islands. We are actually presenting to you from a rural point of view, a rural setup. Firstly, we would like to bring you greetings from our churches and Christians from Papua New Guinea, almost uh, about more than 30,000 people, which I will probably give you a detailed account of it uh, tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Uh, they sent you greetings, and also we would like to appreciate and thank everyone, uh, especially in the United States here, for your continued support and assistance with your help, either in prayer, uh, in kind, or uh, financial assistance we were able to extend far and wide, and we are able to see the church rubbing shoulders with bigger, larger churches in Papua New Guinea. Uh, we would like to present you out of the many 
projects we have uh, engaged into, uh, we'd like to just pick out one which we feel is more important to share with you. Uh, maybe tomorrow, if you have interest in Papua New Guinea, you can come up at 2 o'clock. We plan to build a Bible school, which we started in 2006, and we uh, wanted to build classrooms, uh, administration buildings, dormitories, and few other necessary buildings or needed buildings, and we had to load our uh, sawmill into a nearby forest. And here you can see our sawmill at work uh, to have our building on. Many times, because the sawmill is almost 36 or 34 years old, which Larry McGessy continued to use, sometimes it doesn't run on its own, so we had to give a hand push because of the work demand. Our youths continue to support us and help us uh, load sawn timbers to the nearby road for pickup. We have to transport the timbers back to the uh, administration center for uh, preparing, preparation, and we have to stockpile them at the back of our house. This is the foundation of our church uh, administration building. And the administration building is up, as you can see, the skeleton building of it. We have uh, 12 rooms on the ground floor, and about uh, six, half of the building is an office conference room, and uh, half of the building has about uh, four other office spaces. That's for a Bible school and administration. Although the outside part of it is completed, we are yet to have the inside part, uh, to work on the inside part anyway. Uh, our nearby community church members have to clean up uh, this uh, bush here for Bible school setup in 2006. Here, one of our young, I mean, old men here is uh, preparing for a dormitory building with our own local materials. You are able to see uh, uh, teachers' houses on the other side and uh, dormitories up on the other side, which we plan to replace them with uh, uh, permanent buildings. That's why we had to have the sawmill in the bush for sawn timbers. We have to have better classrooms. Those are rundown classrooms, I mean houses. We converted them into classrooms and we want to have better classrooms. We have our, our carpenter preparing a desk or tables or whatever. It's a rough work because we had to get our school started in 2006. Students and teachers in class, we have uh, 27 students. It's a three-year-old school, and uh, we will have our first graduation on the 7th, rather the 6th of December this year, and we are 
actually extending invitation to those who probably may have uh, interest in visiting or witnessing our graduation this year. If you can afford your own fare probably back and forth, we are, you are uh, warmly welcome. These are the students, our Bible school, school students. They are taught in both pidgin in our national language and English. Students during their work duty. Teachers preparing uh, lessons at the back of our house. Students having lunch outside. That's a closing of uh, uh, one of our, I mean, during the students' vacation. Uh, we thank you all. We would like to leave with you our prayer request. We need, uh, we are praying for a, um, a new sawmill, a replacement of our old one, because the old one is almost 27, 32 years old, and uh, it's beyond repair, and we cannot be able to use it again. So we ask your prayers. Thank you all for your listening. Thank you, Brother Coble. That was just a small excerpt from the presentation that uh, Brother Coble will give the rest of tomorrow afternoon. So if you're interested, there'll be a presentation tomorrow afternoon at 2 p.m. in Martin Chapel on the rest of the work that's happening at Papua New Guinea. Literally, hot off the airplane, uh, Brother Chetta joined us here at camp straight from the airport as he came back from Eastern Europe from a three-week tour to look at the various missions and the, the work that's happening in Eastern Europe and we're able to uh, t- take a few moments to present of what the Lord is doing in that part of the world. I'm thankful to the Lord that uh, I was really blessed for the past three weeks to go with the brothers from the sister church to do my part of the duty to complete the uh, Romanian and Swedish Zams Harps, and uh, their duty was to inspect and do the audits, financial audits of all of the charitable donations we have made in Eastern Europe. And uh, I would uh, like to say that in Hungary, uh, since Gabi and I went there many, many years ago and created the first cassette with Hungarian orchestra from our churches and Hungarian singing, which we sold to more than 5,000 copies to help build the first church, uh, which was the Budapest church. Uh, What you can see now, uh, the brothers in Hungary uh, do have uh, their own uh, wealthy businessmen as well. And uh, the church that they have built and financed more than 50% on their own is magnificent, and the architectural detail and how they have done it for the Lord is beautiful, what they have done on their own. And they were helped initially, but today they're doing great on their own. Well, this is a farm that was purchased by these brothers and then a few more brothers that they would like to put uh, about 10 uh, young couples to live there and to revive the church on the eastern side of Hungary. Ukraine. Uh, needs our help. This is uh, how people live there. This is one of the sisters that has lost her husband, has a daughter, and this is how she lives. They also have been writing by hand the Zion's harp, and uh, the one that uh, we did in Windsor for them uh, many years ago, now they would like us to replace with uh, the one that is common to all the languages. They also have to go to the washroom outside them, and it's muddy, so be it. Okay, that's the church, though, and that's the best uh, that I have seen. 
In Romania, our church uh, will die. They're dying by 10% a year. And they have wonderful, faithful brothers that are in leadership and uh, uh, sisters. And uh, uh, one of the elder brothers told me, we don't need this food anymore and clothing to survive. But it's so beautiful to receive a gift of love from somebody. And uh, in uh, Serbia, uh, there's two different uh, types of churches uh, that we have. The dying church and the church that has life. And... uh, uh, this is my hometown, by the way. Uh, the, there are many buildings that look like that, but uh, when uh, you do not have the money to pay for the money borrowed, the collection agency comes. I just put that slide for the education to you young people and people in uh, our home country in Canada and here in the States. Don't borrow something you cannot pay. And my old country borrowed money from American banks when they couldn't pay, the American army came to collect. Okay, this is an old folks' home, and uh, we are trying to take care of our old people. The people in the churches that have life sing songs like this, and these are old sisters that love singing too. Uh, this is an elder brother who was willing to stay and. Uh, be with the sisters in in the old folks. But this is only for the old sisters. And one sister and her husband are taking care of ten of such sisters. This sister is uh, cooking for them, washing them, caring. And... uh, we that have left the country, I believe we have a solemn duty to take care of our old. We came to have life here. We do have life here. But our descendants are having life here because we left that geography to have life. And there's nobody left there to take care of them. And that's why I plead with you. Remember, we do have duty to take care of our elderly. We have life. Let them have life too. They love to sing too. And I promise that I will be five minutes or less. I will close with this. Remember where we came from. Let them live too. So where does that leave each one of us? 1 Corinthians 3 says, I have planted, this is the Apostle Paul talking, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Each one of us has, has a part to play in the missions. Some are sent to do the work. Some are back home to raise support, to to promote the missions that are there. Some are called to go on short-term missions, and some of you may be called for long-term missions. The question this morning that I'd like to leave with you is, what burden do you feel on your heart? Is there a particular mission that God has placed on your heart to either support or to go visit? 
There's a number of ways, of course, that we can partner in, in prayer, financial support, short-term mi- mission visit, and we had a, a number of presentations uh, on the, the church relocation support. It wasn't just Brother Bob. We had that from Green Olive Tree. We had that from Eastern Europe. And are we hospitable? When the missionaries come to our local churches, are we willing to be there to support them, to say hello to them? And uh, I'm thankful to say that the missionaries that come to Eastern Camp, many have said that they feel the support and are appreciative of those that come up and introduce themselves and are willing to spend time with them. And of course, a big thank you to all those that have been doing this, supporting them. And you've seen the work right from the youngest to the oldest of those that are being helped because of your support. And we pray that that will continue. And again, just a reminder that we'd like to encourage the sponsorships of those here at Eastern Camp because those donations will go to support the work that you've heard about this morning. With that, I'd like to close with a short prayer. Dear Father, we're thankful that we have felt the moving of your spirit here this morning at Eastern Camp. We're thankful that you've brought the many missionaries from far away. You've granted them a safe passage and that they've been able to present the work. We pray, Lord, now as they have done their part, that, Lord, we would be able to also do our part, that you would move in our hearts to provide, to be interested, to talk to them, to also support them in whatever way. And, Lord, there may be some that are feeling called to go to the mission field. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to move in their hearts and raise up those for this very important work. And Lord, we want to pray a special prayer for the churches here in North America, as there are also a number of them struggling. Father, we pray that you would also raise up those that would be able to go and support them, that, Father, we would not close the doors of more churches, but instead that they would be able to grow and to flourish and perhaps even have more church planted. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom to be able to do that, for we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.